Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer City Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. To subscribe to the podcast, visit streetlevelradio.com and click on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Street Level Radio. The Corinthian believers there in the church in Corinth had a pure and simple devotion to Jesus Christ, but now that simple devotion was being threatened by false teaching. Paul the Apostle, he didn't want those believers to lose their single-minded love for Christ. Keeping Christ first in our lives certainly can be difficult when we have so many distractions threatening to sidetrack our faith. Eve lost her focus by listening to the serpent, and we too can lose our focus by letting our lives becoming overcrowded and become confused. So let me ask you, is there anything that threatens your ability to keep Christ first in your life? How can you minimize those distractions, those that threaten your devotion to Christ? As we begin chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians today, we see that Paul is opening this segment of his letter to the church in Corinth in what I think many could deem as a somewhat defensive posture. He was obviously more than uncomfortable having to address this church in such a manner, but he deals with these broad issues not to protect his position and clout, but rather to expose the fact that without unity, they would falter, they would become weak, and they were in grave danger. So Paul's ultimate goal, as always, was the benefit and the blessing of the believers. He was compelled, as I am, to move the church out of head knowledge, out of theory, and into the practical application of faith in the real world. Now, in Paul's first letter, he told the Corinthian believers, You have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. That was Paul's way of kind of claiming not ownership over them, but a responsibility to them and for them, and certainly a fatherly love towards them. This was not something that Paul took lightly, and he didn't want them to take it lightly either. Clearly, there were some within that church in Corinth that were seeking to usurp Paul's position of authority. It appears that it was not because it was, well, Pastor Paul necessarily that was causing the ruckus, but moreover, it was just simple authority in any form. And you know, that's a truly classic scenario that's been repeated over and over in all of the years that have followed Paul's work. People are pretty much the same as they were then, and certainly they are when it comes to issues of rebellion and pride. Such a situation as this is almost guaranteed to come. It's it's a rite of passing, if you will, for any and every church fellowship. Now, just how each individual church fares in this battle is going to determine the path of its future and maybe even whether it even has a future. It all begins with pride. But you know, it doesn't stop there. It ends with seduction, deception, lies. The time to fight this battle is when the issue is in its birth, in its conception, if you will, when the war is between the fleshly pride and godly humility. That is Paul's aim here in this passage to stop the sin of pride in its infancy. Now, some within the church, it was no doubt still too late. There would be those who would simply have to go. Now, Paul, he deals elsewhere in Scripture with this much-debated issue that we call church discipline. 
we must realize that lives were at stake here. It was a winner-take-all situation, and Paul was not going to back down no matter how unpopular the action that he was going to take might be. Now, he approaches this scene with boldness because he knows the seriousness of it. Verse 1 and 2 of our text reads, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I promised you in marriage to one husband that I might present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Now Paul's words here were all geared towards lifting up these believers into a truly Christ-like life. Such is a life that departs the idealistic life of theory, the idealistic life of head knowledge, and it moves into the life of what we call practical Christianity. It's a crossroads that is similar to that of the children of Israel. Remember when they came to that uh, River Jordan after leaving Egypt? They had all the religious truth, all of the understanding that could be offered in that day, yet they still were wandering. They, like so many of us even to today, were wandering around in circles, void of direction and life. All of us, you see, must choose whether the life that God has for us is what we need to seek, what we want to seek, or whether the life back on this side of the river is enough. Wandering around in the wilderness, is that enough? Do we want the blessings? And, yes, albeit the battles of a life where faith is truly lived out, where our faith is no longer merely an ideal or a concept, or... Do we just wander around in circles as the years tick by? We must acknowledge that with the milk and honey of the promised land certainly comes giants and war. And there is no middle ground in this. There is no halfway. Paul knew, certainly as I know, that unless they crossed over, they were doomed to walk around and around in circles for the rest of their lives. In fact, Many of them didn't cross, and they lived in the desert of unbelief for the rest of their lives. These were the old wineskins Jesus spoke of in the Gospels. They couldn't, they wouldn't move on to what they were called to do. And what followed? Well, lives of grumbling and discontent. And they died still grumbling and discontent. That was a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer City Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. For more information on Pastor Tim Dodson or Believer City Church, visit believerstogether.com.